This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, you probably know him as one of the dragons on Dragon's Den. Michael Weckerly is a serial entrepreneur these days, among other things. He is the owner and CEO of the Waterloo Innovation Network and El Macombo Entertainment, which is all about bringing back that iconic and storing, storied nightclub. Michael Weckerly, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much, Libby. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so we've seen the sign go back up on the El Macombo, and uh, when do we get to go? You know, we're saying spring uh, 2019, and for, I've had three false starts because of a whole bunch of issues. It's been a five-year labor of love, sometimes up and down, but uh, as I say to some people, it's going to open as as uh, you look at April the 1st, I probably get away with it because April Fool's, but I think that will open probably before Canadian Music Week, but we will definitely be there part of Canadian Music Week. Now, why did you choose to do that? You know, it started off as a sign. When I came to purchase the sign from uh, Sam Grosso, he decided that he would give it to me for free if I bought the building. And when I realized that it was less than a week before it would turn into a computer store, I just couldn't, you know, sense to believe that. You know, growing up for 54 years in Toronto, I thought that it was the only only really it was the mecca it was the grand opera of rock and roll and I had to just we had to do it and the whole community the Toronto community the music community have rallied around me and I'm really really proud of the people that have been a big part of it and all the people who have built uh, trades and otherwise and it's okay, so it's it's set to open. Let's say in the, I'd, I'd in say, the spring. Yeah, in the spring. You know, I say I say we we'll probably be ready the second week of April would be my guess. But again, I've been told not to make predictions anymore. Okay, <laughs> and and you have an interesting plan. Some of the profits are are going to go to charity, and of course, this is a season when people are thinking about charity. Yeah, so we range from ten to twenty percent of the profits, and you know, a lot of it will be off the top. We'll do special events, which one hundred percent of the profits will go to charity. You know, we really focus on mental health in general because you know there's been a lot of musicians that have gone through depression i think it's one of the most uh needed clarification uh you know injuries that we get it's no different than breaking an arm we just got to go back and work on a different muscle called the brain uh the unison was the benevolent charity for musicians very important very overlooked and doctors without borders would be the first three we have a lot of ancillary ones that i do personally including opera italia and Bloorview McMillan, but I think that those top three will be the early start to try to make it kind of a way where everyone could endorse themselves. You know, saving children around the world is great. Uh, helping out with depression, not a better cause than that. You and yourself I, have you had your yeah, own? Yeah, I did. You know, my wife, my wife depression. passed away just coming up to the uh, ninth year now in March, and uh, Sorry it's to very hear that. sad. You know, very sad. She went through depression and had some, and then you know I saw myself. You know, a very strong guy worked on the trading floor, worked you know thirty five years, five thirty to 
whatever, 12-hour days. But, you know, when you get to that position, it's really a unique position to be in. And you don't know until you get there. But once you have that sense of what it really is, it is curable. It's just something that gets through and you have to work on it. And there's a lot of great help in the city of Toronto and in Canada and other places. But you have to just understand that it's it's not uncommon for anybody and it's it's a fixable situation and everyone has it at one point or another it just the variety of the degree of it and i just think that the more awareness it becomes the easier it's going to be for people that can get through their times of troubles have you seen a change? Have you seen a lifting of, of the stigma in recent years? Certainly people are talking about it. For sure. It. You know, Jim Treliving, who's done a lot with me at uh, another great dragon, probably the best that I've ever seen on the show and had the pleasure to work with, uh, does a lot for CAMH as well. A lot of people in the city do fantastic. You know, we've had uh, Michael Wilson, who, you know, had his own tragedies and was yes. very f- one of the first persons to stand out. So I think we see a lot more. I know uh, there's a lot of people that are coming back and doing a lot of different things. Michael Landsberg has done some great work in the field as well, and he himself will talk about his depression, but I think it's just, you know, it's it should be no different than, you know, going for a flu shot in, in essence, you know, where people have to go through and go through a process. It is a process, but I think the stigma will be lifted, and it will save a lot of... Uh people's lives, a lot of taxpayer money, because I think that, you know, once you understand that you can address it, then people will not be shying away from actually getting help. And I think that's the first most important thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, that's really, really important. Now, with the Elma Combo, you said they gave it to you for free after you bought the building. So uh, you like real estate? Well, I love real estate. Now, I bought the building, but in, again, you know, we're turning this into a really, you know, uh, global footprint with a lot of streaming, with interactive streaming and technology in the next century we're trying to go towards, like I said, the 22nd century nightclub recording studio. But when I look at real estate, it really is an overview. You know, having been in the stock market, I really didn't look at this from my early teens and or late teens into you know, about 45. And then what I realized is that, you know, trying to make money fast is great, but it goes up and down the higher degree of risk the higher chance of losing too so of you, course you yeah. always, being an optimist we always look for the upside but the downside don't, don't you don't hear too many stories on the negative side you always hear the positive stories but what i did realize over my life of 40 years in the markets and, and investing is that make money slow and make money slow really dignifies the fact that you know when you look at the environment you know you can't control all the different things that happen like political changes uh weather changes but what you can control is your own decision and your decision to take a portion of your capital and invest in a stable you know solid uh, bricks and mortar type asset, which would protect you against inflation, especially at a time where interest rates are at a hundred year low, like 1920, I believe the interest rates were a commercial paper was trading around four, four and an eighth, 4.13 or something like that. We're actually lower than that today. And I think this is a, a unique time in life to lock in five year money. I do believe in leverage, but safe leverage and predictable cash flow. And I do think that renting uh, out places, whether it be a uh, house or apartments, I think it's a great long-term strategy. And it's, you know, it takes five years to, uh, to make a company and 10 years to build a brand, but it takes really a 10 year period to build something great. And that's my horizon. Okay. Well, our real estate market has just been going up and up and up and up. And a lot of people, particularly those of us who were around when it went down and down and down and down in the 90s, are saying, how long can this 
go on for. And, and, and there's also the issue that it has gone up so much that basically there's an entire generation of people who are kind of priced out of the well, market. Well, I'll give you a little bit of a secret here. So I don't really tell too many people all my secrets, but here's one for you, Libby. Okay. Is that I have sold most of my real estate in Toronto. I have now got a property in Caledon. It's the only thing I have left in the region. Uh, I've moved out of the city for most of my, with the exception of the Elma Combo. But a lot of my real estate in Toronto, it's just the prices are at, at extremely high prices. It's actually getting to a point where it's a lot cheaper to rent than to buy. You know, when you look at the pricing, when you see that, and I've seen in my life, it's usually that farmer's almanac kind of thinking, common sense dictates. But what I do see, and Mayor Tory has done a great job in creating a footprint for transportation. And if you look what's going on, west of Toronto, whether it be Guelph, Waterloo, or London, Ontario, there's LRTs going right to uh, Windsor. There'll be a go trade that's going to be uh, 24-7, and they're going to expand upon that whole system. So if you look at you know San Francisco's example to Menlo Park, you know it's about 100 miles, which is similar to what we'd you know roughly to what we would get to London, maybe a bit further. But if you look along those stops and how it was built, like a subway system, that's where the new communities are going to go. You look at the price differential between this area and London, Guelph, etc. And then the most important thing is I'm a big believer in education. I have you know six children, of which four are in school right now. Um, and I believe that you know two are in university and two are going to university next year. And the university campuses, like you see at MIT in Boston, right beside it is the Cambridge Innovation Center. If you look at the University of Waterloo, I'm right across Waterloo Innovation Center and the Accelerator Center of Waterloo is there as well. If you look at Stanford, one of the top business universities in the world. Menlo Park and Silicon Valley. A lot of good companies came out of that area, as we know. Apple, Google, etc. But when you look at London, Ontario, Western University is the highest ranked MBA program in Canada. And, you know, it ranks in the top three on, on a North American basis. So I believe, you know, having an investment that would have recession-proof uh, qualities in the essence of student housing, I think that's a really interesting way to play this real estate market where you have consistent cash flow. You know, there's a vacancy rate of, I think, 1% in that area. And I think if you look at all the university clusters, again, you have to do your own research. You have to look at what programs and where they rank. But there's a deficit of beds in Western. That's probably the largest one right now. Waterloo as well in Guelph and I'm sure everywhere you know you know Toronto it's becoming more difficult there's not a deficit but it's quite expensive to be at the University of Toronto and rent a place here oh yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's expensive uh, to have a job and rent a place here that's exactly right but I think it's true you know it's a it's a high cost of living and inflation will usually check back in when the economy starts picking up which we're starting to see some cost push inflation uh, pressures and with the interest rates being this low they will go back up they're but not they are lower. Going up. They have to. They're not going to be lower. We're a hundred years. I've never seen it. my first loan when I bought my first Mazda GLC when I was eighteen years old or nineteen on the floor of the Toronto Stock Exchange. I was happy. I got it at fourteen point one percent. I was ecstatic. It was, it was coming down from sixteen. Well, I, I remember uh, the the first mortgage when I first got married. It, we were thrilled. It went down to thirteen point seven five percent. Same year as I was in there. Yeah, yeah. It was ecstatic. You yeah. know, and that was a win at the time. Yeah, like to think that. We would have interest rates at where they are, and, and to borrow money to buy a house or buy a uh, an investment at three point five percent—that's free money. And there were, it was eighteen percent in the eighties. But but the the other side of that was, uh, you know, you you could buy a great place in Toronto for you do have, uh, for like 
a hundred thousand dollars inverse relationship of, of interest rates and cap and and the cost of the product. But I think we're you know supply and demand because Toronto now is the fourth largest city in North America or the yeah. fourth largest city in North America. It's also number two from a uh, entertainment point of view. So yeah. right behind New York City. So we are now. It was just ranked yesterday by I believe uh, National Geographic said it's the twenty eighth most imp- uh, impressive place to see in all of the world. So we're number twenty on the world map. So Toronto is growing. Supply and demand's always been an issue. It could go higher. I'm not here to pick the top, but you know I say there's three markets: wholesale, retail, and fairy tale. We're definitely <laughs> past wholesale. Retail, we're pretty past that. So I, I don't know the bedtime stories, but I'm now looking at other areas, and I find so much value. And along, just follow the transportation line. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, this is what you get from a lot of millennials and, and people, including John Tory, have said, look, we've, we've got to make housing more affordable for people. And he means uh, housing that you buy. You know, I'm thinking when, when I was younger, for a while, I lived in New York. And nobody at that time who lived in New York as a young person with a good job expected to be able to afford to buy a house anytime soon and that was before anyone thought Brooklyn was a good (laughs) was a good idea so is it just a matter of expectations that you know you're pointing out how Toronto has uh, come up in the world uh, that maybe you know that's just the way it is you know people who are in Hong Kong or London you know they also don't really expect to be able to buy a a house uh, well located there's no doubt. That's a great point. You know, you're a lucky person to be in New York. That's one of my favorite places. Probably is to be there. I had a, a small uh, condo there for a very for about three four years, but that was quite expensive because I was working a lot out of New York. But what a great dynamic city. But very similar to Toronto. What I do see is there's opportunity because there's cycles. Markets go up and down. Usually cycles are ten years. You got to make sure. You know, you got to time the cycle as an investment, but sometimes it's not an investment, it's a place to live. So it's a depending on your own lifestyle and what your longer term approach is. But as I do believe, if you look at any metropolis, as you have transportation increasing, you're going to find the opportunity to go back and forth rather than sitting on the highway for three hours. I know that the Don Valley Parkway just coming halfway from the 401 could take you two hours some days. So transportation will get better. It's, but still, it's still a long, you know, even if you're on the GO train, so first of all, you have to time everything exactly to to make those trains, and it, it's still a long time to spend traveling back and forth. It is, but if you look at the cost of parking in the city, the cost of wear and tear on your car, you look at the the, the introduction of, of, of non-stop trains from certain areas and increasing that load, it's going to be a lot easier. There's a lot of people, and it's a lot more relaxing, a lot more safer for out yeah. there, you know, with all the new changes in laws with cannabis and driverless cars. Man, I think the train's looking pretty good for me. Oh, I have to tell this, <laughs> I have to tell this, this terrible story I, I, I went to Yorkville on the weekend and and noticed to my horror that a parking lot, main parking lot, had been, was closed for redevelopment, and it took ages to find another parking spot. And there was a sign; it was shameless. The sign that said, um, "We have suspended the normal rate because of a lack of parking in the area." Wow. Now we appreciate your understanding. It cost me twenty five bucks to park for lunch. I'll tell them what do they do? Throw snowballs at Santa Claus? Those people. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally gouging hair. <laughs> but it's true, though. You know, when you Maybe look we at need parking, to invest in parking lots. Well, parking lots, it's actually quite expensive, you know, to build one parking spot. It's $70,000 per, 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 per lo- location for each one parking spot. But 
more importantly, I think the the thing that we have to look at is which way you can expand. And we can't expand, you know, vertically. It's horizontally now. So we're going to be building bigger buildings. So when you look at, you know, the rental programs, the Airbnb that have come out of the environment, that's where I think the opportunity is going to be because, you know, people with technology are building higher, safer, and they'll be within, you know, a, a shorter distance to where the downtown core is. So I think, you know, for the city point of view, you know, look to some of these big sky rises and the, some of the student housing projects that you'll see. There's one great one outside of Western that I'm working with, and I think it's great. Okay. Michael Weckerly, thank you so much for being with uh, us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.